This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to the best of your sports talk for Tuesday, January the 29th. I'm your host, D.A., and today's episode of Around the Dial comes to you from Radio Row at the Georgia Convention Center in downtown Atlanta, where the entire sports radio world has convened for Super Bowl 53. Let's start with the week. How does this week feel for the players, for the coaches? How about one of the greatest players of all time, Jerry Rice, who played in four of these games, three with the San Francisco 49ers, and then one at the end of his career with the Oakland Raiders. He joined 95-7 the game in San Francisco and talked about just how long the week becomes when you're a player and just how long Sunday is as a day into itself. Well, it's really sort of frustrating from the start. Uh, you know, you travel, you get to Atlanta, uh, you try to get all settled in. You're probably going to have a little light practice or something like that. Then the next day is media day. You have to deal with the media. They're going to ask you questions. You're going to have to be cordial. Uh, and uh, and you're going to have to be able to, uh, you know, just talk about the game. Uh, you know, talk about your opponent, but you don't want to give them anything to post up on the board or anything. So, you have to give them their just uh, uh, due. And after that, uh, I think uh, like around that Wednesday, Thursday, you get into your game plan. Uh, Friday is like a little walkthrough. Uh, Saturday, everything is uh, intact, you know, pretty much because everything, all the preparation that you put in that week uh, is already in. And now Sunday you get up and it's time to go play the game. But, it's a long day, guys, because you wake up. I mean, I remember Sunday morning. You know, I woke up. We had a meeting. Uh, then you have pregame round uh, one or two. Then you head to the stadium, and I couldn't eat anything. I could not eat breakfast. I could not eat. Uh, you know, that pregame. Uh, I went to the stadium. You know, after being up all night visualizing about the game and stuff like that, I was tired. I, you know, I just put my uniform on. I fell asleep on the table. My teammates, they thought I was crazy. They were walking by because it's like this is the, the biggest game ever. This is the Super Bowl. And how can Jerry fall asleep on game day? But, you know, I was mentally and physically already prepared and, and just ready to go. How much does this then give an advantage to New England, a team that's gone through this now six times with Tom Brady? Does it give them an edge come Sunday, all of the lead-up, them having more experience doing it? Yeah, you know, I think it gives them a little bit of an edge, but you got to look back at uh, the championship game between Clemson and Alabama. Everybody thought Alabama, you know, they had this game uh, intact, and Clemson came in and and they just took that away. So I think with the Patriots, yes, they have that experience, you know, and and, and I have said this all week long, too. If, if, if they cannot stop Tom Brady, if they can't get to him and rattle him a little bit, 
and uh, with Elliman. Elliman is that go-to guy. He's, you know, everybody talk about the Patriots not having a go-to guy. They go through Elliman, and if they can't stop that tandem, uh, you know, they're going to have a hard time winning that football game. But as a young team, you come in and you say, hey, this is our opportunity. Yeah, you know, they might have more veteran leadership, you know, uh, players that have played on the big stage, but we didn't look up and, and to get here. We belong here, and uh, we have an opportunity uh, to do something special Sunday. It really is amazing. When you're down here in the middle of the scrums, the media availabilities, the attention and scrutiny, and everybody talking about this game, it just feels like these players are pulled in all types of different directions and are talked to and talked about all week long. I can only imagine how difficult it is to just remain focused and grounded in a week where everybody wants a piece of you leading up to the biggest game of your life. Jerome Bettis is also a Pro Football Hall of Famer, and this is a guy that still loves running the football. The NFL has gotten a little bit away from running the football the last couple of years, so much more of a passing game than ever before. But in this matchup, Rams and Patriots, two teams with two first-round running back draft picks, both out of Georgia. Todd Gurley for the Rams, Sony Michelle of the Patriots. Jerome Bettis joined a 92-9 the game in Atlanta and discussed just how crucial Todd Gurley is amongst all of the superstar weapons that the Rams have at offense. It's the ground game that is the centerpiece of their attack. You had to tell me, Gurley or Michelle, who's going to have more of an impact? Uh, Michelle. I think Sony Michelle will because uh, he's he's not expected to have the huge game where when you look at the Patriots, their number one goal is going to be stop Gurley because if Gurley gets going, the Patriots have no chance of winning this game. So they have to stop Gurley. Number one, force them to be a one dimensional team, allow CJ Anderson to, to, to make some plays when he's in the game, because you can't, you're not going to be able to stop at all. But you can't let Gurley get going, and, and he's the he's the centerpiece of that 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 team. If he gets going, everybody's feeling good. Golf is is going play action. Everything happens when when Gurley is playing well. So they've got to make sure he's not playing well. On the other side, you know the goal is to get to Brady. That's the job. It's not necessarily to stop the running game, which you have to because what 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 people don't realize is the Patriots is a, they're a power running team mm-hmm. they're they fool you and you thinking that it's about brady and they're gonna pass it they're a power running team they love play action to get behind the linebackers with the crossing routes but it starts with them running the football but most teams are saying we got to stop brady so we got to get pressure up the middle and stop brady and what happens before you know it they hit you in the mouth with the running game and it's hard for you to to deal with that. So, with that being said, I still think uh, Gurley is the one that they're going to stop more. I think Sony Michelle has a bigger impact in the game. Now, you go back to that Saints game, and, and, and Ty Gurley was basically pulled, and C.J. Anderson played a lot. We were sitting there speculating because John was talking about how uh, Todd Gurley was bouncing up and down on the stage, and he was healthy. Do you think it was him, it was about his health, or more so about the way that he played when the game started? No, he, he didn't play well. And if you go back and look at it, as a running back, I'm watching everything. The first blitz pickup, he missed it. Eli Apple, mm-hmm. I mean, sacked the quarterback. I mean, he, that was his guy. I yeah, mean, little dude, a, too. Little dude. I mean, just hit him in the mouth. 
Right, you just went right around him. And then there was another time there was a blitz pickup, uh, I think Davis, the linebacker, hit him right in the mouth, ran right, ran right through him. And if you can't pass protect, they're getting you out of there. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. you getting out. And so I saw that. And then, you know, he wasn't pounding up in there. And it's like, okay, wait a minute now. But he ain't running, but he ain't toting that rock. I mean, you're already missing some pass protection. You got some issues here. And then we're not getting the – we got to just see – if the guy behind you can do it. And CJ was sticking his nose up in there on the on the blitz pickup and they were and he was he was toting it. So it was an easy decision for them to make. The key is that they made it. A lot of times you go with the horse that brought you there and you you scared to make that decision, right? And say, yeah. I ain't gonna bench my guy. Or at the very least, I'm gonna disguise it and say, Oh, well yeah, he was a little banged up. There was no disguising it. It was what it was, and you got to take your hat off to the Rams for that because uh, – and, and Gurley said himself, hey, I, I, I didn't play well. I didn't deserve to be in it. And, and that's the accountability that you, that you want because what that does, because he's your star guy and mm-hmm. he says that, right. then every guy on the field knows if I don't play well, I, I'm out. They're going to put somebody else in. And you need that type of mentality because if you go in there thinking that – Man, I'm pissed. They took me out of the game. You can't. No. It, it has to be that way because now the organization and the team is going to be better off because it doesn't matter who it is. If you're not playing well, we're taking you out. And that's the, way, that's the way it needs to be. A lot of people focus on Jared Goff and Brandon Cooks and the rest of the aerial pieces that the Rams put into play. But here is Bettis saying, don't sleep on the ground game. That's actually the focal point of that offense. And everything else starts with that. Most teams are saying, we got to stop Brady. So we got to get pressure up the middle and stop Brady. And what happens before you know it, they hit you in the mouth with the running game. And it's hard for you to deal with that. Deshaun Watson had a tremendous second year starting in the NFL led his team to the playoffs, a division championship, and just a sniff away from a bye this year for the Houston Texans. He dropped by Boomer and Geo on WFAN in New York and talked about that transition year from year one as a rookie to year two and expectations. Right now, how do you feel about the 2018 campaign when you look back on it? Um, honestly, I mean, yeah, we didn't finish off like we wanted to, but uh, it was a solid year. It was, it was good to be able to see us turn around and 0-3 start. You know, all odds was against us, but uh, we went on a nine-game win streak and uh, ended up you know, winning the, the division and, and being able to have the opportunity to make the playoffs, but uh, it was good. Deshaun, you know, this is interesting because this is your second year. And I said about you coming out in, of Clemson that you belong on the football field, right. that you're not going to be overwhelmed by what's happening around you. Of course, your rookie year, we're all going to struggle, and you struggled a little bit, but you came back this year. You lead your team to the playoffs in your second year, which is what you should have done right. because of where you were drafted. And I was telling these guys that I work with that it was another guy like Patrick Mahomes. Right. That was the same. You had the same type of personality traits that you said that there's no way that I'm going to be overwhelmed by the NFL game. So now that you're getting ready to start your third year, how do you think you've handled the pressure that comes along with playing quarterback in the NFL? I think I've handled it. You know, pretty well, pretty solid, and just being able to, you know, go through the good things, the good times, and the bad times also. Uh, taking in all the the heat, you know, when we're zero and three, um, and then getting all the love when we went nine straight. So, I just made sure I keep it balanced and being able to, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, keep football simple, keep football, football, 
and just uh, you know kind of continue to grow each and every week. There was some criticism mainly from former NFL wide receiver Steve Smith of you in that game when you'd run for a first down while you were losing. You gave the first down sign. Did you hear that criticism? Yeah. Did you have a reaction to it? No, for sure. I talked to Steve, Steve Smith. Uh, he called me right after we talked, you know, and got on the same page. But it was more of a, you got to understand, you got to be in the locker room and on that team to understand why I was doing that. Of course, yeah, I understand both sides where, you know, we're down 21, uh, 21-0 and I should just get back to the huddle. But at the same time, there were no juice no energy on that offensive side in that in that in that stadium and only only for you to understand you got to be at that stadium be on that sideline where when i do the the celebration it, it gives energy to the whole team the whole team loves that the defense loves seeing that but if i get back to the huddle everyone's just saying oh you know the energy is still the same we don't really believe but if i'm doing that and kind of you know still playing with passion and love and and trying to you know have some create some spark you know, everyone else was building off of it. All right, so your game right now, what is the one thing that you want to improve on as you get into your next year? Uh, i say two things, really. The fundamentals of the game, uh, fundamentals of, of, of playing quarterback, and then also the knowledge of the game. Always growing, understand, understanding what defenses are, are trying to do, especially, you know, facing me, and uh, what coverages they're trying to do. Um, and I think those two things are the biggest. Now, I remember, you're not going to remember this, but I had a chance to interview you on a, on a different show right before you got drafted, and you were so humble then. You're so humble now. It doesn't seem like you've changed at all. Right. You're a superstar in the NFL now. A lot's changed from before when For you sure. got drafted. So what are the things that keep you grounded right now as your star continues to grow? I mean, I just keep life simple. I just kind of understand that this is what I've dreamed about doing and, and what I want to do, and I, I love the game of football, but... At the same time, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing for people who want to talk to me. Blessing to, you know, have opportunity to be a professional quarterback. So, uh, the things that I have and the things that I'm blessed with, I can able to share and inspire other people to do the same thing. Real quickly, I want to ask you one question. Tell me about Trevor Lawrence. What do you think? I mean, he's special. He's going to be very, very special for a long time. He continue on this path and continue to stay straight on and, and humble and, and keep working. He's going to be great. Sunshine, right? Yeah. yeah sunshine. <laughs> okay. Watson played in so many huge games in college that I think it was almost second nature for him to figure he was going to be playing in big games in the NFL as well. And that's why even last year he splashed upon the scene after his Clemson Tigers career and immediately started playing like he had been in the league for so many years. And sure, there's plenty of things that he could work on over the course of his career, now just following year number two. But Watson always had a maturity well beyond his years. And he goes onto the football field, and in just year two, you see what a difference maker he is for a Texans franchise winning the division and coming up just short of a bye in the postseason. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep football simple. Keep football football. There are stars and there are goats. And Ryan Leaf throughout NFL history has always been a goat. A guy that was drafted number two overall. Never could get out of his own way. Always compared to Peyton Manning, a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champion. But Ryan Leaf has turned his life around. But he's still now in an analyst position. And he joined Sean and RJ, the morning show on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And they asked a pertinent question. As a guy that had so many problems before, is it hard for you now to criticize other guys that are having problems themselves, both on and off the field? So do you go back and forth a ton with people who reach out to you daily or weekly? Or do you direct them uh, more towards a website? Um, I, I, I direct them... Um I direct them to the... How does the usual interaction with you go for someone that you feel like needs to talk? Right. A lot of times they'll reach out to me through the, 
the social media platforms like through Instagram or or Twitter, which you can reach me at, at Ryan D Leaf, and they'll direct message me. I'm, it's open to the public. Anybody can direct message me. Um, I, the one I got the other day, I I, I spoke to this guy a, a bunch about something, and uh, he responded with something that just kind of blew me away. And I want to I want to share this with you guys. It's it, it's pretty. The next message from him came. Um, you saved my life. I was going to jump off the seventh floor of the Hilton Boca. And, Whoa. I mean, come on. Where would I have ever had an impact on anybody playing football? You know, who, who imagined that me falling flat on my face and, and, and burning it all to the ground would lead to a human life still being here because of the fact that I just shared a story. And that's the type of stuff that, that, that comes back to me. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for everything I've been through and, um, and, and it's an, it, I, it, I almost don't have the words for it. I showed it to my fiance at the time, and we were both just, it was really serious and really uh, impactful. And you're just like, you forget that, that life, that's what life is about, is about being here. And no matter, no matter what you do or what you say, and this week is so about just hoopla and making it mm-hmm. so much bigger. And then it goes away, right? And then real life again yeah. is here. And, and it's important to, to remember that. And we try to keep it grounded in reality the best we can. How hard is it for you to be critical sports talk show hosts and go in on someone, whether they're doing something on or off the field? Uh, it's, it's hard. It's becoming, it's becoming less hard. Yeah. Put, you know, because I can look at it as how people, were, how people held me accountable sure. and how it impacted me and helped me. Right, it like it showed me the mirror, showed me how I was behaving. Uh, I did it, <laughs> I did it on Sunday. I did it on Sunday, and and, and got uh, it got pretty ugly with Saints fans. You know, uh, Cam Jordan showed up in his in his blow whistles not game shirt, and my <laughs> response back was, I said, "Is that a friendly reminder not to blow the NFC Championship when you're up three with a minute oh, forty to go?" Yeah. Hot, hot take. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it Saints fans came after me, uh, not in the not in the most personable. Uh, fashion, sure. oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean that's you know that's what I do now. You know, I it's I'm opinionated with it. I, I believe in accountability, and I think yeah, it was a terribly blown call. But you also have to take accountability on your part. Like run yeah, the why, football. Why didn't too. we run it on first down? Yeah. Run the football. That's just that was the whole part of me. If they would have went into the thing and said, hey, you know, it was it was a bad call. You know, we probably should have we should have run the ball on first down. Kind of taking taking the officials out of it. Um, bottom line is, we lead the NFC Championship with a minute forty. Uh, after that terrible play call, we, we should have been better. Yeah. It's amazing when you think about where Leaf was when he began his career, fighting with reporters, drug addiction, washing out of the league, acting like a petulant, immature baby. And now that Ryan Leaf seems to have a lot of perspective, it just shows you how far you can come with the right support system and maybe even just allowing yourself to understand your own mistakes and finding another support system, even deep within yourself. An amazing story for Ryan Leaf, and it's just crazy to think of how high he has been, how low he has been, and now back to having a very steady career around football. I said, is that a friendly reminder not to blow the NFC Championship when you're up three with a minute oh, 40 to go? Yeah. Hot, hot take. <laughs> yeah. Outside of football and Super Bowl week, we are waiting to see where the big pieces of the free aging crop for this year's baseball class land. We're almost into February, and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still don't have their landing spots. Angelo Cataldi and the morning team on WIP in Philadelphia. We're joined by Todd Zalecki, MLB.com baseball insider. And the Harper rumors are he's going to sign soon, but can we believe them? Todd, we are in a state of absolute joy 
but we're nervous too. All right. right. Vegas has removed the, the uh, prop bet on Bryce Harper because they are reporting that the Phillies are getting him, and it could come as early as today. The video game that it has a contract with him has teased out that today they expect something to happen. All right? What do you know about any of this? Angel, if if they're going to make an announcement today, it, it will be just as surprising to me as it will be to a lot of people, I think. Um, I, I, I've been obviously working this story, following this story, you know, since the beginning of the offseason. Not within the last 24 hours, but I was told from somebody that they, the Phillies and, and Harper, there's no movement on that. On that, uh, but but I will say this, you know, I, I've also been getting text messages from people to, that say, hey, you know, you probably should be on guard. Something could be coming. So it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of people that. Um, kind of know, but don't really have good information. Now, if today a video game breaks the news that Bryce Harper has signed oh with the God. Phillies, it obviously will be a first. And same thing with Las Vegas. I, can't, I, I, I don't recall of any time in the past when Las Vegas has had news uh, before no, reports. This, I, I this, guess no. I am a little skeptical in that. All right. The MLB The Show is real. That's a company. Mm-hmm. And they have a Twitter account. And they have under contract Bryce Harper. So yesterday, they tweet out, you'll want to keep an eye on this account tomorrow, just saying, get hyped, and a photo of Harper. Yeah. What is that? They're just, they're playing with me? I really don't know what they're going to announce today. I I really don't. Um, You know, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they thought that the Phillies still prefer Machado oh, over Harper. No, um, don't say that. You know, <laughs> listen, I, again, Angelo, I would love Bryce Harper. New Phil. I think yep. it would make baseball, you know, so much more fun. Uh, you know, really the, really the most excitement in any Philly season since 2011, if Bryce Harper comes with the, uh, signs yep. with the Phillies, right. um, I don't know what MLB the show is going to announce. It, it could be Bryce Harper comes to the Phillies. They, you know, it would be it would be one of the most unbelievable stories, really, that all of these people were able to keep it a secret. When I mean, think about it. Every signing gets leaked out to somebody at some point before the team usually announces it. And that's again, that's what has me skeptical. Not saying this is not going to happen today. Uh, I, I I don't I don't have any inside information on that. Uh, I'm just saying that I'm skeptical about it. All right. I want you to know. And now I'm really having second thoughts about it because both Eskin and Todd have oh, thrown some water on it. Right. I already invested $169.94 to get tickets near first base for a game. And, and Todd, I did it as an investment because I wanted to flip it and make like three times as much when Harper signed. And now I'm wondering if I'm going to get burned on my investment. You know, I think that they're going to get one of those two guys. No, I don't. I don't yeah, no, right now. Machado's there. I'm flushing the two tickets down the <laughs> toilet. You understand? <laughs> I'm flushing 170 down the commode. I, I, oh, man. I don't Machado. want Harper. Maybe Machado would be a nice consolation. Prize. I'm sorry. I don't want Machado. I want Harper. You want yeah. Harper. Todd, make some calls. Tell him to do this. Virtually impossible to believe that we might have the Super Bowl played. We're just weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. And Bryce Harper, the biggest target of the free agent market, still does not have a job. We might be inching closer, but we really don't have any good tea leaves to read 
on just how much money Harper's going to get and how many years he's going to get. And I think that's the biggest question facing all of baseball. Why has this been such an unknown, such a gray area, such a murky water for these guys, Machado and Harper? Yeah, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they thought that the Phillies still preferred Machado ah, over Harper. No, um, don't say that! Tim Kirkjian's been around the game for a long time. The ESPN Baseball Insider joined Dan Cilio and said the biggest issue right now is that owners are trying to correct their previous mistakes. Tim, do you agree, too, those 10-year deals of $300 million, like the Pujols deals and the Stanton deals are gone? We're going to see deals more like three years, five years, especially with guys that are in the age group like uh, Machado and Bryce Harper. I mean, you're 26. Say you sign a three-year deal for $100 million at $30 million a year. You give yourself an out. You're still in your prime. The organization is not building and putting players around your star player. And I'm just going to use, uh, a, 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 you know, those two guys out there. If you're Scott Boris, you still have the advantage of going like this. Well, look, we have a window here. We're going to explore it. We're going to leave. We're going to go to some place that maybe we can put our player that can give them a chance of winning a title. Are we going to see more of that thinking process as we move forward? Yeah, I think so. I think a 10-year deal is highly unlikely until, of course, Mike Trout comes up, and I think he will change the entire dynamic given his greatness, what his age will be, and, you know, just the way as great as he's been, there's no reason to think he won't be great for another 8 to 10 years. That's how spectacular he is. But the rest of those players now understand what a sea change has happened here and that if you're 31 years old and you're looking for a five-year deal, you're just not going to get it. Those days are over, and the players are very upset about this. And it's not that the owners are – the owners are just basically saying, we're just not going to repeat what we did five years ago. That doesn't, to me at least, make a collusion. It just means working smarter and in a different way. How about this too, Tim? If You, know, you, you mentioned with Machado – that he wants to go to a place that's going to be an instant success for him when it comes to postseason play. But if you see, and of course Scott Boris already knows this, I saw that show on Saturday on the MLB Network that the Padres have 10 players in the top 100 prospects, and there's a future. You put a guy like that, a linchpin like a Machado in that lineup, in between a guy like, like Eric Hosmer and... God willing, he's healthy. A Will Myers on the flip side of him. Is that attractive? Or, again, is this more just so about Manny wanting to play in October? Well, I think this is about Manny seeing how much money he can get. So, again, I think that's the number one variable. But, yes, if I were in a situation like this and I looked at the Padres, I would say I might have a chance to win here several times long-term with all these kids that they have built here and this this system they've built. But, again, most of our players are not willing to wait a very long time. They want instant gratification, and I think even with all these really good young guys in the Padres system, it's going to take another couple years, and any big-time free agent is going to have to ask, am I going to be willing to wait two more years? Two last questions from my friend Tim Kircher from ESPN. Tim, where do you think Harper does land, or do you think he goes back to Washington? Well, again, I'm equally confused about Harper as I am about Machado. But I think, and we're guessing here, the speculation only, to me, the Phillies still make the most sense right now 
for Harper. They have a need. They're in trouble right now in that division because everyone's gotten better except for them. Well, even though they've gotten slightly better, they need another big bat in the middle and they apparently have as much, if not more money to spend than anybody else. But, and yet they haven't made an offer that Bryce Harper can't turn down. So I would guess here on January 28th, he'll go to the Phillies with the understanding if he went to four or five other places, I wouldn't be surprised. There are no, and nothing would shock me anymore in the free agent period. Would it not just be so baseball for the two biggest stars, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, to sign during Super Bowl week and these big baseball splashes be totally covered up by the football news? Maybe they're purposefully waiting until after the Super Bowl so that they can own the news cycle. But baseball fights tooth and nail with relevance every single day. And now all eyes are on the Super Bowl and people are even ignoring the fact that two of the biggest free agent stars in recent memory don't have jobs just weeks before pitchers and catchers report. That's the best in your sports talk from Radio Row and Georgia's downtown convention center, the site of Super Bowl 53. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.